If you are under construction and committed to living life like it matters, you have found a home. Check us out on Facebook where we post new shows every day. Facebook.com slash LIM Radio. For information on my transformational leadership training where I teach you how to live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net. And if you have a spiritual appetite, check out my daily devotional with some wisdom from above at wayofwarrior.blog. That's wayofwarrior.blog. The time is now to live life like it matters. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am your blessed radio host, and I am grateful to be your life caddy, your uh, radio show host. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. Today, we are going to talk about the spirit of gratefulness. You know, it's uh, the holiday season. It's a weird year, 2020, right? Strange year. But nonetheless, uh, time still passes. And we find ourselves uh, in the uh, Thanksgiving mindset, if you will, and which leads us in the Christmas spirit. And today I want to talk about that, that mindset, that spirit of gratefulness. And as I was considering the spirit of gratefulness, it reminded me of a Christmas carol, you know, with uh, Charles Dickens, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, you know, what I remember is not the actual one that was done in Gro- for grownups. I remember the one that was done for kids, uh, you know, where uh, Disney had it, where they had Scrooge McDuck as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. And they had, uh, I think it was Goofy as Jacob Marley and the, the cre- three spirits of Christmas. If, if you don't remember, I, we, we found a little clip for you and we thought we'd play that for you. So, John, why don't you go ahead and play that clip? Ebenezer, remember when I was alive, I robbed the widows and swindled the poor? Yes, and all in the same day. Oh, you had class, Jacob. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, no. I was wrong. And so as punishment, I'm forced to carry these heavy chains through eternity. Maybe even longer. No hope. I'm doomed. Ebenezer Scrooge. No, no, it, it can't. It mustn't. Help me, Jacob. Tonight, you will be visited by three spirits. Listen to them. Do what they say, or your chains will be heavier than mine. And the good old Goofmeister, right? It messes everything up. You know, I want to suggest, like, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge was going to be visited by the three spirits, you know, Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Might I suggest that what America needs today is to be visited by the spirit of gratefulness? 
Because what's going on in our country is a lot of self-centeredness. There's all white privilege movements all about the Tenth Commandment of covetousness. People are jealous. People are envious. People want what other people have. It's a violation of the Tenth Commandment. And it's really a, a mindset. You know, when I say the spirit of gratefulness, it's not anything weird. You know, your spirit is inside of you. You know, if you, you meet people and you, you, you judge them by what you see, but that's their vehicle. Uh, if you want to know who that person is, you got to look in their eyes because the eyes are the window of the soul. It is the essence. It is the spirit that you're actually connecting with. And even in the Bible, uh, I think it's Second uh, Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, it's that attitude, if you will. It's the mindset. And I want to suggest that not just the fourth weekend, I mean the fourth uh, Thursday of every November, we should have the spirit. But we should have the spirit year-round, and it's called gratefulness. Grateful is defined as appreciative of benefits received, expressing gratitude, grateful thanks, affording pleasure or contentment, pleasing, pleasing by reason of comfort, sublied, or discomfort alleviated. So the definition of gratitude is the state of being grateful. Remember, we talk about state of minds. It's thankfulness expressing gratitude for their support. Gratitude definition is the quality or feeling of being grateful or thankful. Remember, that's what Thanksgiving is. We had the first Thanksgiving. We were thankful for the bountiful harvest. We were thankful that God blessed our crops and they were fruitful, right? Gratitude makes us more resilient. This is from Psychology Today. Gratitude makes us more resilient. It has been found to help people recover from traumatic events, including Vietnam War veterans with PTSD, victims of natural disasters, and people living under violent political conflict, kind of like America Today. (laughs) Gratitude strengthens relationships. It makes us feel closer and more committed to friends and romantic partners. Gratitude, again, this is from Psychology Today, is about thankfulness. Gratitude is the expression of appreciation for what one has, not for what one does not have. It is a recognition of values independent of monetary worth, spontaneously generated from within. This is why it's called a spirit of gratefulness. It is an affirmation of goodness and warmth. This social emotion strengthens relationship and its run, roots run deep in emotional history emanating from the survival value of helping others and being helped in return. Now, studies show that specific areas of the brain are actually involved in experiencing and expressing gratitude. Brain scans of people assigned a task that stimulates expression of gratitude shows lasting changes in the prefrontal cortex that heightens sensitivity to future experiences of gratitude. That's what we're going to be talking about today, and it's a mindset, a spirit that we should have year-round. Edgar Guest, one of my favorite poems, put it this way, Be grateful for the kindly friends that walk along your way. Be grateful for the skies of blue that smile from day to day. Be grateful for your, the health you own, the work you find to do, for round about there are men less fortunate than you. Be grateful for the growing trees, the roses soon to bloom, the tenderness of kindly hearts that share your days of gloom. Be grateful for the morning dew, the grass beneath your feet, the soft caresses of your babes, and all their laughter sweet. Acquire the grateful habit. Learn to see how blessed you are, how much there is to gladden life, 
how little life to mar. And what if rain shall fall today and you with grief are sad? Be grateful that you can recall the joys that you have had. And how about this? The things that count. Count your garden by the flowers, never by the leaves that fall. Count your days by garden hours. Don't remember clouds at all. Count your nights by stars, not shadows. Count your years with smiles, not tears. Count your blessings, not your troubles. Count your age by friends, not by years. And Vicki Lambden says the little things. A summer's breeze, a smiling child, a daffodil that's growing wild, a deep orange sunset in the west, those little things I love the best. A still dark night with fireflies, the laughter in my mother's eyes, a multicolored rainbow's ends are little things that count, my friend. A fuzzy warm puppy licking my face, kisses with hugs and a loving embrace, rain pouring down on a roof made of tin, sitting under a shade with soft gentle wind. Those little things make life worth living, being kind to a stranger, caring and giving, laughing and sharing your hopes and your dreams. There is nothing more precious than the little things. Today we're talking about gratefulness, and Voltaire put it this way, appreciation is a wonderful thing. It makes what is excellent in others belong to us as well. And Henry Van Dyke put it this way, be glad of life because it gives you the chance to love and to work and to play and to look at the stars. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about a spirit of gratefulness. We'll be back. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Today, we're feeding a hungry spirit. Today, we are talking about the spirit of gratefulness. You know, let's be honest, it is 2020. Uh, We are approaching the end of a terrible year. Uh, And man, uh, we have become such a selfish country, a selfish people. This election uh, was just shows the negativeness, the, the bitterness of people that will cut off our nose to spot our face, that we can hate someone so much that we will vote for someone who violates all of our values, who is basically going to destroy this country. But because we have such hatred, so much covetousness, we'll do it anyways. And that's why we need to, we need to fix what ails the spirit. You know, God told us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that's why we do this radio show. Uh, because we have lost our sound mind. Uh, we have lost our love. Uh, we are just bitter, hateful, resentful people. I mean, 40% of the country for four years has been part of the resistance. I mean, if you wear a red hat or support Donald Trump, you get beaten up, get attacked, your house gets burned down, you get shot at. I mean, come on, people. 
Uh, when do we live in a country where you're not allowed to think differently? I don't care what that is, whether it's thinking that it's okay to be gay. I mean, remember, people used to beat up gay people, and now we're supposed to be open to all that. No one does that anymore. People used to attack transgender people. We say, that's not right. It's wrong to attack people for beliefs, for choices, for being made the way they are. And yet, it all seems to be okay if you attack a Christian or if you attack a Trump supporter. And so what's happening is we've gotten the spirit of covetousness. That's the whole privilege movement's about. And we've lost the spirit of gratefulness. And so I wanted to remind us that uh, Thanksgiving is about being grateful, the spirit of gratefulness. You know, William Arthur Ward said, a cloudy day is no match for a sunny disposition. It's about being grateful and creating that gratefulness in our mind. Melanie uh, Beatty, I think is her name, she says, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past. It brings peace for today and creates a vision for tomorrow. And Lord Halifax put it pretty simply, gratitude is one of those things that cannot be bought. It must be born with man or else all the obligations in the world will not create it. And I want you to know it's just not a useful spirit to be in as you're dealing with people, but it's also psychologically beneficial. You know, from Psychology Day, I got this. It says, gratitude is a spontaneous feeling, but increasingly, research demonstrates its value as a practice, that it is making conscious efforts to count one's blessings. Studies show that people can deliberately cultivate gratitude, and there are important social and personal benefits of doing so. It is possible to feel grateful for loved ones, colleagues, animals, nature, and life in general. The emotion generates a climate of positivity that both reaches inward and extends outward. So it affects you and affects other people. Gratitude, just so you know, is an emotion, an emotion that makes a person feel happier. Gratefulness is also a mood as well as a personality trait. Some people are just more inclined to feel grateful, but I want you to know, you can get out of the passenger seat and get in the driver's seat. You know, part of this, the reason why this show is so unique and so powerful is we take the sciences and we the disciplines and incorporate them. We take, I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, and we, we deal with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is CBT, multiple intelligences by Dr. Howard Gardner, uh, transactional analysis, which we'll go into today, little Dr. Eric Byrne, logotherapy by Dr. Victor Frankel, emotional intelligence by Dan Goldman and the rest of them. I quote etymologically from the, uh, from the, uh, the dictionary, and I wrap things up with the word of God. This is not an opinion show. Now, I will set a thesis, which you could call an opinion, but then I'll back it up biblically, biologically, psychologically, physiologically, and then with the the disciplines or the sciences of communication and psychology. That's why if we're going to change our lives, ladies and gentlemen, we got to change our thinking. And so let me remind you that we have in our brain, part of the unconscious brain, a stem called the reticular activating system. It is the brain's focal center. And whatever you set it on, it sees. It's kind of like a remote control. You know, if I picked up your remote control and I pointed it at your tuner, you do know, right, that uh, your TV set is technically a tuner. And I've had my little kid ask me, Daddy, why do you call a TV set a tuner? Now, I can explain to you better than I can explain to a five-year-old because you should know a little more than a five-year-old. 
right? There are airwaves all around us, right? And what a tuner does is it sets to a certain frequency, and there are airwaves that are on those frequencies. And so that's how your reticular activating system works. So if I was to take your remote control and focus it on ESPN, right, you'd expect to be watching some type of sports. You wouldn't expect to be watching SpongeBob, right? Now, if I took your remote control and I focused it on Telemundo, you'd expect to be watching Spanish-based news, not Fox News, right? And that's how the reticular activating system works. Whatever you set it to, it sees more of. And you know what the world, America today, wants you to set your RAS to? The victim channel. And I'm going to tell you right now, stay off the victim channel. Because it is a 24-hour feed. It'll rip your soul out. Stop it! Because everything you'll see will make you a victim. And you know what the other channel that America wants you to focus on is the race channel. Unlike Dr. King, Dr. King died in March and sweated, was beaten, was jailed for the opposite of what people are doing today. Dr. King said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will live in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And Dr. King would roll in his grave. Dr. King was a conservative. Dr. King loved Jesus more than he loved people of color, more than he loved rights. If you read the I Have a Dream speech, it is laden with scripture from Isaiah to so many other things. And so you got to get your reticular activating. So get your focus on the race. Quit looking at race. Racism is seeing everything through the lens of race. <clears throat> if I like you or don't like you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. If I want to hire you or not hire you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. If I want to fire you or not fire you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. If I want to share my bed with you or not share my bed with you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. That's stunning me that we can see Black Lives Matter, the entire organization is nothing but a racist. Just like the KKK is a racist organization. So is Black Lives Matter. So, you know, Muslim Brotherhood, those are all racist organizations. Because it uses race as the defining barometer. And so we got to get ourselves off those two channels because that's what you'll see. And we got to focus them on a grateful channel and the excited channel. You know, when my wife was pregnant, we weren't planning on having kids. Uh, and when she became pregnant, she saw babies everywhere. She was stunned at how many more people were pregnant now that she was pregnant. Stunned at how many more babies there were. And I chuckled. Because I know how the mind works and the reticular activating system. It wasn't the end of World War II. There weren't more people pregnant at this moment than any other time. What happened was my wife's reticular activating system was focused on her pregnancy, was focused on children, was fo focused on women uh, getting ready to give birth. And so they're always there. She was just not focused on them. Remember, we're unconscious creatures. A majority of our experience through this world is unconscious. I tell the story all the time uh, when I wanted to buy a Ford Explorer, but my friend who ran the dealership said, no, Black, you need an expedition. And he kept wanting to explain to me what an expedition was. This was like in 92. And I said, Gary, I, I've never seen an expedition before. He said, dude, you've seen them all over. They're all over Reno. I used to live in Reno. 
And so he goes, listen, come by the dealership, pick one up, take it home for the weekend. If you don't like it, come back. I'll give you your Explorer. I fell in love with my Expedition. And guess what? For the next couple months, I saw everywhere all over Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Now, people didn't go out and buy Expeditions because Mr. Black bought one. They were always there. But my reticular activating system was not focused on it, so I did not see them. And so that's why we've got to park our reticular activating system on the Grateful Channel. It's very, very important. It's a mindset. It's an attitude of gratitude. That's how it works. And all throughout the Bible, God gives us so many examples of this. When I was doing my Bible study this morning in Mark chapter 10 about the story of the blind uh, Bartimaeus, man, when God healed him, he was so excited. He wanted to tell everybody. He wanted to follow Jesus everywhere he went. I mean, there's story after story after story of being grateful. You know, that's why we're told to forgive. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, seven things were said to him. I mean, he said seven things. And the first one that he said to us was, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah, he was talking to God, but he was talking for our benefit. Look what we did to Christ. And look how he said, forgive them. What could any man do to another man or a woman that is worse than what we did to Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ says, forgive, lest ye be forgiven. Jesus Christ says, forgive other people, give to them, release debt. Why? Because I've done far greater for you. Christ told us to have a spirit of gratefulness. And it helps you medically, it helps you psychologically, it helps you relationally. So let's step into the spirit of gratefulness. I am Mr. Black. We'll be back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Let me suggest that you, too, have much more to be thankful for. And that's what we're talking about today, the spirit of gratefulness. And, you know, we got Thanksgiving here, and, uh, you know, we we all have this Thanksgiving meal. But I want to suggest that it's a Thanksgiving mind that's far more important than what you put in your mouth. It's really much more important what you put in your mind. You know, even the Bible says that, uh, you know, what you put in your mouth uh, doesn't make you clean or unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you clean and unclean. Why? Because from the overflow of the heart, which the Bible means the mind, what you're thinking about, from the overflow of the mind, the mouth speaks. That's where it comes from. And today we're talking about the spirit of gratefulness. And by the way, the the Bible talks about it over and over and over. 
You know, I tell you, the, the reason why the show is so different, so powerful, why you need to invest a, an hour of your day, five days a week, is because we work on you, how you work. I teach you how you work. We use uh, transactional analysis, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, emotional intelligence, logotherapy. I mean, and then we, we use books I called encyclopedias and dictionaries and then the Bible. So you get more support, more uh, reinforcement for what we're saying. I feel like kind of like a prosecuting attorney. I lay down a thesis. I lay down a statement and here's what we're going to prove. And then I lay it out and prove it. But it's not based on opinion. It's not based on hearsay. It's based on factual data. And so the Bible is remiss. I mean, remit, well, it has so much in there about being grateful. Uh, as I was in my Bible study, there's the parable of the unforgiving debtor, right? This guy owed uh, the king a lot of money, like millions of dollars. And the king said, you know what? Uh, instead of throwing you into debtor's prison, I'm going to go ahead and forgive you of all your debt. You're a free man. And then he walks away from that and a short period later runs into a guy who owes him 20 bucks. And he demands his money from the guy who, gave, who owes him 20 bucks. And he said, then he gets him turned in, gets him thrown in prison. And when the king finds out about this, he is livid. Because that gentleman should be grateful because he forgave him so much. But he wasn't grateful. He felt he was owed something, kind of like today's world, right? You can find that in Matthew 18. And how about when Jesus was anointed by the sinful woman in Luke 7, right? When, I think it was Mary, that she poured this expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet, and, and they were just outraged. How dare? Doesn't this man know who this woman is? She's a prostitute. And how even, dare you? Even, bar, uh, you know, Judas, Judas, who was stealing anyway, said, oh my gosh, what a waste of money. I mean, we could have given that money to the poor, Right? And what did Jesus say? Who, who would be more grateful? He actually told a story. He said Jesus told a story. He said a, ma a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Peter answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right. And so he's talking about the spirit of gratefulness. In Matthew 20, there's the parable, parable of the workers in the vineyard, right? A, wor a guy needs some workers. And so he goes out in the early morning, gets some day laborers, said, I'll pay you this much money, work all day. And then a few hours later, he realized he needed more people. So he went out a couple hours later, and he told people, I need some more day laborers. And he, again, he'd say, I'm going to pay you all the same thing. Here's what I'm going to pay you. And then at lunchtime, he needed more. He went out and got some more. And then with only a couple hours left in the workday, he still didn't have enough people. He went out. And he agreed to pay them all the same amount of money. And they all individually agreed to the payment. And so when it came time to pay everybody, he paid everybody the same like he had promised them when he, when he asked them if they wanted to work and told them what they were going to work for. But guess what? Some people were angry. Some people were bitter. You know why? Because the people that worked less hours got the same amount of money that they got. That's why. That's what's going on in America. We have this spirit of covetousness. You know, this whole thing about uh, privilege, you call it white privilege, which is it's nonsense. It's, it's a joke.
But the privilege thing, it's called covetousness. What we want is what other people have. Let's be honest. Most people cannot be happy for another person's success because what they do is they think in their head, what about me? What about me? See, the spirit of gratefulness moves off of us, and we realize how grateful we are for the things that we normally don't consider, how grateful we are just for the breath of air. And just to let you know, there is, this is not a, just a feeling. This is how we work. And so I'm going to support what I just told you. First of all, we have something called transactional analysis. Transactional analysis is uh, um, what you'd call is basically a layman's way to understand psychology. It was introduced by Dr. Eric Byrne. It was introduced in the uh, probably about the late 60s. And by the way, one of my favorite teachers on tra- uh, on transactional analysis is Abe Wagner. And in the book, The Transactional Manager. He says this quote, you are six different people and so am I. You have six different personalities and so do your subordinates, your customers, your boss, your spouse, and your children. Right now you're operating within one of those personalities and at any moment you may activate another one instead. See, this is what I'm talking about, the spirit. It's an attitude. That's why I love the word gratitude. Because gratitude, if you think about it, has the word attitude in it. It's a grateful attitude, and grateful is about appreciation. And Dr. Eric Byrne was the pioneer of transactional analysis, and he made complex interpersonal transactions understandable when he recognized that the human personality is made up of three different spirits, three different what he called ego states. Each ego state is an entire system of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors from which we interact with another person, parent, adult, and child ego states. That's what they are, parent, adult, and child ego states. And their interaction between them form the foundation of transactional analysis theory. Ego states, listen to this, it's like your spirit are, are a consistent pattern of thinking, feeling, and behavior. Burns' tripartite model is an explanation of three main events that happen to all of us. We have a childhood where the development of rational, logical thinking, exposure to parental or significant others influences. It is this concept that each person has the potential for three fully functioning ego states that separate transactional analysis from other approaches. And there are two basic models of ego states, the structural and the functional model, right? The structure refers to the building blocks content of the ego states answering questions. What are they? How are they made up? Functions refer to a description or process of the ego state. So I want to remind you, we have the parent ego state, right? The parent ego state is a collection of memories that have been recorded in earlier years. Parental and social expectations are logged in the brain as the person perceives them. And the messages are sometimes verbal, sometimes experiential, and sometimes only assumed. And what Dr. Byrne would call these was tapes, tapes, right? The parent ego state is filled with judgments, values, and attitudes. That's what you got to realize. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. Functionally, the parent ego state is subdivided into the critical parent and the nurturing parent. Nurturing parents represent more affirming, more pleasant qualities, where um, critical parent behaviors generally represent the corrective behaviors of real parents. Both controlling and nurturing parents are acceptable, but could be grossly overdone. Now, you also have the adult ego state. 
The, this ego state is not related to the person's age, but more to a developmental state. It is logical, rational way of contacting reality. The adult ego state is principally concerned with transforming stimuli into pieces of information and processing and filing that information on the basis of previous experience. Uh, it's, like, it's like a computer, you know, just the facts, ma'am, like a, a Spock, you know, unemotional. It's just data. And then you have the child ego state. And you got to realize this. The child is the first state to develop and is crucial for the first five years of personal development. The child is similar to the Freudian concept of id, operating on the pleasure principle, unconscious, aimed at gratification and fulfillment needs. So when I say that we have spirits, this is what I'm talking about. These are ego states. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are two nemesis us from being in the spirit of gratefulness, of thankfulness. And we're going to talk about them after the break, because you got to realize why it's so hard to be grateful, why it's so hard to be in a spirit of thankfulness. It's absolutely very critical here. And so what we got to know is that we're in charge of our mental state. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's a choice. It, you, see, this is where between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And be in that space is your power and your freedom. And what I do on this radio show, what I do in my leadership training at likeitmatters.net is I give you back the power and the freedom. You do not have to be dictated by what you're happening in your life. You can choose to have any state of mind you want. That's the key with attitude. It's a choice. You create that state of mind. And today, the state of mind I'm going to encourage you to have is one of gratefulness. So I am Mr. Black. We'll be back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash scheduling. And today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about the spirit of gratefulness. You know, it is so important uh, that we take control of what's going on in our head. You know, the battles in the mind. Once we realize that, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. And that's what we do on this radio show. That's what we do at likeitmatters.net. We teach you how your mind works. We teach you what's going unconsciously at the psychological level. And we've got to get in the driver's seat. You know, we were made to function at a high level unconsciously. But what happens is a lot of times we go on autopilot. And so whatever we feel, whatever happens to us, we just react. But we are called to be proactive instead of being reactive. It is our mind. We can take control of it. Remember the United Negro College Fund years ago? They had the ad, the mind, what a terrible thing to waste. Well, I don't care what you do. Uh, I don't care what color your skin is. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so I'm going to tell you right now, we have two nemesis that really mess with us, that keep us out of this spirit of gratefulness. Number one, it's being in a different spirit. And right now, the opposite spirit, right? You know, you cannot be two 
polar opposite things at the same time. You understand that, right? It cannot be day and night at the same time, right? You cannot be grateful and a victim at the same time. And what's going on, I'm going to tell you right now, is we have this thing called privilege, that it is creating an altered state because privilege, the whole concept of uh, the, the privilege movement is other people have stuff that you don't have. Other people had opportunities that you don't have. Guess what? That's life. Tiger Woods has had a lot of opportunities I haven't had. Clarence Thomas had a lot of opportunities I haven't had. Barack Obama has had a lot of opportunities I haven't had. The, any professional NBA player, NFL player, has a lot of privileges that you and I don't have. But so what it happens is it gets us into the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet, right? Exodus 20. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Coveting is essentially lusting after something that's not yours. And coveting was the one law that nailed the Apostle Paul. Remember he wrote in Romans 7, 7, said, For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said. And there are no shortage of things to covet today. We can covet a professional sports superstar and their talent and money. We can covet a person's job like being a supervisor or CEO. We can cover a person's, covet a person's home, you know, a family, car, status uh, of a, n- a number of things. And why is it so bad? Why is coveting so bad? Because if you go back to the original language, the Greek word is epithemia, epithemia which means to have desire, to have a craving for, a longing or desire for what is forbidden, a lust. So not only is coveting quite obviously a sin, but it begins in the heart. And the heart is not easily discerned in others and even in ourselves. And that's the problem. Because we can look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're bitter, we're resentful, Which brings us to the second thing, our second nemesis that keeps us out of the spirit of gratefulness. And that is something I've talked about before. It's something called the drama triangle. The drama triangle. The gentleman's name is Steve Cartman with a K. The drama triangle is a social model of human interaction. We need those. The triangle maps a type of destructive interaction that can occur between people in conflict. Again, sound like America? The drama triangle model is a tool used in psychotherapy, specifically in transactional analysis. The drama triangle, as I said, is a social model. It was conceived by Stephen Cartman. By the way, he was a study, uh, a student studying under Eric Byrne, uh, studying, and Eric Byrne's considered father transactional analysis. And Byrne encouraged Cartman to publish what he referred to at the time as Cartman's Triangle, and that was in 1968. Cartman received the Eric Byrne Memorial Scientific Award in 1972 for his work on the drama triangle. Through popular usage and the work of Cartman and others, Cartman's triangle has been adapted for use. And Cartman uses used this triangle to map conflicted or drama-intense relationships. The Cartman drama triangle models the connection between per- personal responsibility and power in conflicts. And that's what we're missing. We're missing personal responsibility today. It's all about me, me, me. It's all about I want and I don't have. There's no personal responsibility. Everybody wants freedoms. Everyone's social justice as they're committing crimes, as they're burning stuff down, as they're beating up people, as they're killing people. But say our name. And, you know, we want justice. 
No, they don't. They want revenge. There's a big difference between justice and revenge because when justice says that it's been served and they don't like it, they burn stuff down, they riot. So there's three roles in the drama triangle, three roles in the conflict. There's the persecutor, the rescuer, and the victim. Now, rescuer in the psychological term is not a good term. It is to actually do for others what they could do for themselves. It's kind of like seeing an a egg that, uh, that's hatching, but you've been watching the egg for a while. It doesn't look like that bird can make it out. It's struggling. So you do everything again to help it. You put on gloves, get tweezers, and slowly remove that shell. You know what you did to that creature? Depending on the time of day, you made it someone's lunch, breakfast, or dinner. How do you think that bird get strength in its wings by breaking out of its shell. And some people have never been able to break out of their shell because they're so busy playing the, the victim. Cartman placed these three roles in an inverted triangle and referred to them as being the three aspects or the three faces of drama. Think about that. Conflict is a lot of drama, right? The victim the victim, if you think about it, the victim always needs a rescuer. The victim stances poor me. The victim feels victimized, oppressed, helpless, hopeless, powerless, ashamed, seems unable to make decisions, solve problems, take pleasure in life, or achieve insight. The victim is not being persecuted. I'm sorry, the victim, if not being persecuted, will seek out a persecutor and also a rescuer who will save the day. Don't you get what the government's setting up? That's why you never let a good crisis go to waste. That's why Joe Biden's running mate was COVID-19. The only way he could get elected is if you were fearing for your life. And he had to make you believe that it's Donald Trump that the Chinese released this virus. Think about that. And a victim always needs a savior. And when a victim doesn't get rescued quick enough, they become the persecutor. You see it in our streets. And this is why the Democratic Party puts black people on a plantation. The Democratic Party has to make black people feel like a victim. And they're the savior, don't you get it? They're the rescuer. And then the victim, when they're not rescued to their liking, they then attack. They persecute people. Now the rescuer. The rescuer's line is, let me help you. Sound like the Democratic Party to black people? A classic enabler, the rescuer feels guilty, a lot of white guilt out there, if they don't go to the rescue. Yet their rescuing has negative effects. It keeps the victim dependent and gives the victim permission to fail. The rewards derived from this rescue role are, the, are that the focus is taken off the rescuer. But when they focus their energy on someone else, it enables them to ignore their own anxiety, their own issues, their own culpability. This rescue role is also pivotal because of their actual primary interest is really in avoidance of their own problems. And the persecutor, a.k.a. the villain, the persecutor insists it's all your fault. The persecutor is controlling, blaming, critical, oppressive, angry, authoritative, that's rigid, and superior. Yeah, that's the problem. So you've got to get off the drama triangle. How can you be a child of the risen king and call yourself a victim? You've been given free grace, mercy. What do you think grace means? Unmerited favor. What do you think mercy means? Not getting what you deserve as in punishment. Donald Trump had mercy on Alice Johnson. Donald Trump has redone the legal system, the prosecutorial system, because it's not been fair. Ladies and gentlemen, 
You cannot be on the drama triangle and be in a spirit of gratefulness. And so not only just Thanksgiving, but for the rest of our lives, let's focus in at the end of each day, at the beginning of each morning, let's focus on five things we're excited about, five things we're grateful for. Because, you know, as bad as things might be in your life, why don't you take a look at some other people who have it a lot worse? That's what it's about. It's about getting off the focus off yourself and start focusing on other people. That's the secret. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.